Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Event Industry News Podcast. My name is James Dixon, and as always, I wish you a very good morning, afternoon, or evening, whenever or wherever you join our podcast from today. And welcome aboard. Um, and after the last few weeks of going transatlantic and, and speaking to people in exotic Californian locations with golf course and swimming pool backgrounds, I'm delighted to say that I'm joined today by somebody who has a very similar background uh, in terms of their physical presence at the moment to me. We welcome to the podcast for the first time Sophie Bannister. Sophie is the head of creative development at M&C Sachi Talks and is on the podcast today to talk about creativity, about content um, and all sorts of fabulous things that they've been working on within their uh, group over the last few weeks and months. Sophie, welcome to the podcast. Hi, James. Thanks for having me. You're very, very welcome. Um, as I said, you know, a lovely sort of home background there. And, and not to sound disparaging in any way, but I've, I've suffered the indignity of coming on the podcast in the last couple of weeks and been joined by people with these exotic, beautiful backgrounds behind them. Um, yeah, mine's in, in not sort of quite as glamorous today. 32 degrees. No, we're back to normality today, as yeah. I call it. And, you know, I've got the dog asleep behind me on the sofa and all sorts of normal stuff that we've got used to in the last 12 months. Um, as I said, Sophie, you are the head of creative development at MNC Sachi Talks. Um, tell us a little bit, first of all, before we really get into the conversation today about um, about the organisation, about what the company does, about your role in there for anybody who's not familiar with, with the company as a brand. Absolutely. So MNC Saatchi Talk is part of the MNC Saatchi group and we are the kind of creative communication specialists within the group itself. So predominantly focusing on both media and social earned first ideas. Um, my remit within that is to oversee the social experiential and content outputs from the agency. But again, always with that earned first approach. So we're really looking and our kind of specialism is in the art of conversation. How can we really refine and create shareable conversations that people actually want to be having in the real world? Be that for a piece of media coverage or be that in an event setting itself. And it's interesting because experiential events, you know, by their very definition, you know, want to, you know, they're very hands on, they're very tactile, you know, brands want to get a product into the hands of potential customers or a new experience, you know, um, in a physical setting. Um, the last 12 months, I guess, must have been particularly difficult in trying to maintain that creativity when you are delivering experiential um, events on behalf of your clients. Tell us about some of those those challenges. Yeah, I mean, I think for any events um, industry people over the past year, it's been challenging. But also, I I mean, I probably weirdly felt quite excited, might be the wrong word, when we went into lockdown, but knew that we were going to be going for a period of huge transformation. And I think the events industry itself has been really impacted by that and forced to think really differently about how what it means to actually have an experience, what it means for somebody to actually experience a brand, take away a message, how those experiences happen. So i.e. not physical. Um, and I think we were in a really fortunate position that lots of our brands that we work with are really forward thinking and really embrace that challenge with us and were challenging us to actually rethink the way we were doing that. The kind of events that we typically do span from being kind of press events, so what would maybe traditionally be your breakfast, your lunches, mm -hmm. your kind of yeah. more private media settings, through to direct-to-consumer. So um, 
I think in the month before lockdown, we'd had two quite large events. One um, for a beauty brand we were working with where it was a kind of pop-up shop, for the want mm. of a better word, with panel talks happening in it, which was ticketed for consumers in the evening. But we really used it as kind of a content hub in the daytime for their retailers and for media. And then we'd also done a um, two-day party in a warehouse for 400 people (laughs) each night, which felt mad that we managed to get that away like three weeks before lockdown. So we were doing kind of quite a broad range of events that were different scale to different audiences. So it's been really interesting over the past year to change how we do that. So we've done kind of your um, media days via Zoom or other platforms, um, We've done content creation days. We've done a lot of kind of live streaming as well um, and live streaming kind of directly through social platforms one on one through to really big events where we're reaching kind of in the tens of thousands of people um, during one moment. So if anything, I think the innovation that we've seen over the past 12 months has actually shown us how much more accessible we can make events, how much of a broader audience we can reach Mm. and probably what excites me the most in the role that I've been working in is how we can actually bring together events social content and really make it an ecosystem that works well together and empowers each other rather than an event being what it has been I think for a number of years sometimes one moment in time that doesn't work that hard and can be quite a big investment Yeah, and, and and it's interesting that that point that you make there, because you will be dealing with social media content creation and, and creation of fabulous social media campaigns. And I guess the target of those is for people to interact on those platforms. And the target with live events is for people to interact with those events. And in the past, have there been occasions where actually you don't want those two elements to meet because you want the the, the, the interaction, the responses in those vertical you know, markets, whereas now you're looking at ways to join them all together and get that social media into interaction whilst they may be on a digital event. Yeah, definitely. And I think we, we've we spent quite a lot of time getting really granular and making sure we've got the right people at the table to understand what is that consumer journey? How are we kind of, where are we starting different conversations? Is it easy for people to get involved? Are we kind of sharing one message on one platform, doing something different on another. It's really yeah. kind of forced um, brands, well, I think the ones that are kind of doing well, to really bring their teams together and stop thinking so kind of in their individual verticals. Mm. Actually think about how can you make this one moment in time, be it an event or experience or something else, be something that's way more accessible and, yeah, just bigger, bigger than it was before. Sure, because I guess if you've got someone at a physical live event, you're doing your absolute best with the content of that event to capture the attention of that audience member. And you perhaps in the past didn't want them distracted by being on Twitter or Facebook or you know Snapchat. Whereas now, I suppose if you can guide them to use those platforms at the same time as being at a live event, they've captured that moment on their timeline, haven't they? When they scroll back in two or three years' time, or if their time hop appears on Facebook, they can see where they were and what they were doing. The, the memory of that event will come back to them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in some senses. I mean, I, I, it's rare, I think, that brands now are wanting to do events that they don't want people to be sharing. Mm-hmm. If they've got somebody into their space, they want them to share them with their friends because they're likely to be like-minded people who they're also trying to target so I think that kind of natural shift to don't do embargoed events like make sure everything's accessible had been happening anyway 
I think where we now are really conscious and kind of investing a lot of energy is actually about the content a brand creates from that event and making sure we're packaging that event up as something that can work hard afterwards. Um, So less about, yes, the people sharing out events is still really important, but if you've got talent coming down, if you've you've built an amazing set, how can you actually use that as a studio for your downtime or before your G-Rig to actually mm. capture that experience or a version of it that can then be broadcast out through your social channels, your platform, offered to a retailer. Um, we did a press day last year for a, a fragrance brand we were working with with a kind of the aim of the day was to do one-to-one media meets um across europe so obviously that setting worked quite well whereas in the past we would have had a very costly um but beautiful weekend probably flying all the media in to meet the talent a series of one-to-one interviews and then maybe a beautiful dinner we actually just in brutal terms managed to bash you quite a few interviews in the day but then because we had them there and we had them in a studio in london we were then able to offer a live stream to one of their key retailers in europe to actually access their audience. So all of a sudden, brands had something of real value that retailers were crying out for, which was content last year. So being able to kind of really think differently and not just have event producers think about the event, but actually have people in the sales team involved in that, telling us what their retailers need, to have people in the social team telling us what they were trying to get on social media. It's kind of just joined up all that world and made everything work much harder. So I think previously you might not have had those two teams talking to each other about an event that was happening in London. Yes, it's it's interesting, isn't it? There is a, I suppose, a brutal efficiency of doing things in in that way. Um, I mean, how many people have you spoken to in the last 12 months who said, you know, my my working day is suddenly so much more efficient because I can do two or three video meetings in the morning and then do a load of stuff in the afternoon, whereas if they were physical meetings, they might be bouncing from two or three different locations in, you know, in London or Manchester or somewhere, you know, to, to actually go to those, you know. And in terms of the media days, I suppose there's less fluff around it you know there's less offering tea coffee and refreshments you can get straight get get that media person straight into the interview give them their allocated time move them on and get the next person in um that there is a a level of efficiency that comes with how we've learned to do things in the last 12 months definitely and i think that's yeah the efficiency in terms of how events are run the people that you can get in the amount of people that you can reach is great but I also think that especially those first three, four months when pivot, I mean, pivot was the, the word, yeah. wasn't it? But um, when we were having to pivot a lot of plans, us, I think it's really agency's responsibility to be able to understand the full challenges that our brands and, and clients were facing at the time, but also being able to access different people to talk to, to be able to connect the dots. Like we were speaking to some retailers who we work with and are friendly with, who were telling us we need brands to give us content we've got nothing at the moment we can't get in studios we can't do shoots what can you get us really then allowed us to be like well actually we've got this moment coming up let's make that work hard create lots of assets that we can sweat across every platform not just yours but also your retailers um and yeah like just really being able to use experiences and events to power more i think is what's been really interesting and as we look forward to what what what's in future post pandemic, if there yeah. ever 
this pandemic that is a, a shift that i think we'll see smart brands make really think about what what moments in time they are creating experiences and then how yeah. they actually live across all their different channels um as well as being able to buy them more opportunities with retailers and the like and, and it's interesting that, like you said the value of content has grown significantly i think you know it, up until the pandemic you know people knew that content was great but there were loads of opportunities to create it you know as mm. soon as you take those opportunities away to create that content and you suddenly look at what pool of resources and assets you've got historically i think that's when the penny dropped people have we missed out on opportunities to capture content at previous events and you're so right in what you were saying there you know utilizing you know, live event spaces as studios, if you've got cameras set up, if you've got stage sets built and ready to go, you know, why not film some of the rehearsal? Why not film a backstage video? If you capture as much as possible, because you never know, I suppose, when you're going to be able or need to have to del delve into that content now. Yeah. And not just the behind the scenes stuff either, like really thinking about what's the story? What's the moment that we're creating with this experience how do we then tell that on different platforms and make sure this isn't a well, one day one moment thing it can power so much more and i think that's something that's a reason why we've always had um content and experiential sit hand in hand together at mnc such yeah. talk and i think this year's just really allowed it to kind of come into its own to a degree and all of a sudden kind of everyone gets it yeah. rather than it always being I remember going to lots of meetings before people being like oh that's a, that's a lot <laughs> that's, a, that's a lot of different things that you've got but really it's all a, an experience creates content fuels content it needs content to promote it that it all kind of works works together and it can work hard if if you plan for that mm. it's, it's it's apt that we're talking about you know the opportunities to create content because to, to put things in perspective, you know, I'm not sure when people are going to be listening or, or watching today's podcast, but we're recording this on the 15th of July. Um, and, you know, in, in four days time, we reach that sort of final deadline for the lifting of restrictions um, in the UK, certainly. And um, live events are coming back. You know, they will be back from next week. You know, there the are plenty of events that are earmarked to take place as soon as those restrictions are lifted next week. And we are at a stage now within the industry where everybody is deep into the planning stages and, and execution of proper live events again. So all this stuff that we've been talking about over the last sort of six or seven months, Sophie, about how we pivoted or pirouetted, depending on uh, how soft you want to make that term, um, we are now pirouetting back to what we all did before but with the added benefit of having the last 12 months experience under our belts um to tell us about some of the the maybe not so specific events but when it comes to planning forthcoming live events with some of your clients what experiences and, and elements are you able to take out of the last 12 months into forthcoming live events and what are some of the key messages that you think events will need to consider as they go back into that live um, that live arena yeah well um you are catching me just off of the back of what i would say is our not our first because we've done a few live events over the past few months but our first kind of large scale live event um, we were at Goodwood Festival Speed on behalf of a brand we work with. And actually, 
I mean, it was great. The energy yeah. that was there, the amount, like, you just felt it in the air, like the buzz of people being out and about again. Some were shining as well. Well, not always. <laughs> well, <laughs> not always. I don't think uh, the team doing loading will remember the sun <laughs> when it was torrential rain. But it, just that, though, like, the, I mean, on a personal note, like, for me, being back at an event and in that event bubble, meeting people, talking to people that you have not met before but they end up becoming your event family when you're kind of locked into these small bubbles over a week week and a half um that is why a lot of us are in this we love people we love put yes. we love seeing the real thing and as as great as the digital events have been and such a massive achievement nothing well after after being starved of it for so long nothing's quite like that real kind of hands-on moment but from a attendee perspective it was it was wonderful to see the kind of energy that people had um we we had kind of a, a more private space so we weren't in the main kind of thick of it but we hosted a couple of private media events as well and on one of the nights they, they just didn't want to leave you could see like how much everybody was enjoying yeah, being yeah. sat at a dinner with people and engrossed in conversation and i think that is electric and something that we we will all really relish However, the flip side of that is it, it's a difficult thing to navigate. And I think from those kind of key messages and what we need to be doing, we need to obviously be making people feel safe. We need to make sure that all the protocols that are kind of inherent to us now are there. Um, but it, it's not going to be easy. I don't think the next week is going to be the freedom day that it was kind of being pitched as a few weeks ago. I think it's become very clear to see quite quickly that obviously numbers are escalating again which means that a lot of people are being pinged on track and trace um we had uh, quite, uh, quite a few attendees who had to drop out on the day themselves because they'd either been contacted by track and trace or they had tested positive we also had staff that were being pinged by track and trace before they even got down to site who had to isolate which then meant that we were having to pivot and find different people to come down and and again i think any anyone in events at the moment knows how difficult it is to find people july has been a very busy month um we've obviously seen a lot of people not work for the best part of a year and then even move into different things or take up full-time roles to the freelance pot isn't like it was so a lot of these challenges are actually just logistic nightmares and where you might have oversubscribed an event before you just can't do that anymore because you've obviously got to plan for covid restrictions but equally you might have dropouts in a very different way to what you had so mm. i think there's um definitely from me like yes the the in real life moment is so good it feels so good to be back out there after the past uh 15 months but there is a a level of caution with that and just challenges <laughs> that we yeah. won't foresee again and i think yeah everyone's going to face that particularly with track and trace it's proving to be i think over the next month or so going to be rife <laughs> it's, it's 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 interesting that you mentioned the the current situation in as much of the fact that cases are going up we're at a fortunate stage aren't we in this country in terms of vaccination numbers you know the numbers are fantastic in terms of how many people have been vaccinated and we know medically now that that has a direct link to mm. you know helping reduce transmission to helping reduce hospitalizations and all of that 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 stuff that we know um but there's 
there is still that level of contingency that you have to plan in from a staffing point of view, which you've rightly yeah. um, mentioned. And also as well, when you mentioned about this whole uh, vision that we had, I think a few months ago of reaching that final day and people sort of opening their front doors and blinking at sunshine for the first time and running out into the streets for big parties. It, it, in a way, what's happening at the moment is is retaining that level of caution amongst everybody to just step that little bit carefully, you know, more carefully um, yeah. to plan effectively and not just throw caution to the wind, which I think a few months ago, it felt like that was what was going to happen, like we were going to yeah. get to that date and throw caution to the wind. Definitely. And I think where that provides some brand challenges, I mean, like it was quite easy for me to say, you know, we need to follow all the, the normal things like the safety measures that we know are in place. Well, actually, they all go out the window in a couple of months' time. So then all of a sudden, as a brand hosting an event, you could be you could be worrying people because you're not putting certain things in place because you don't have to sure. anymore. But you yeah. could also be putting people off because you are asking them maybe to be stricter than government guidelines are facing. So I think the next whilst we're still in, I don't I don't know what a post pandemic world will look like or when that will be. I don't yeah. think it's going to yeah. be this year anytime soon. I think we're going to I think we're going to face a lot of changing and it's really difficult to predict human behavior. I think technically like proper post pandemic humans adapt very quickly. Mm. A lot of it will be similar to what we saw before. I'm hoping though that we don't lose the the tech that we've had and sure, I'm yeah. really excited about things like I keep I keep uh, banging on about it internally but things like Black Friday this year I'm so interested to see how many brands will embrace live shopping as a as a function we, we know that's wow. massive yeah. it drives so many sales that I think the smart brands will be jumping on that this year because we've seen obviously sorry I'm going on a tangent no 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 this is great yeah we're seeing retailers are closing down stores I think only yesterday we had John Lewis announce that they're making about a thousand stuff right another thousand yeah, yeah thousand job cuts yeah but that's because those online sales aren't slowing down even though retail is open so how can we actually make sure that we're embracing tech and actually adopting some of the things we see happening overseas to actually enhance the experience that we offer on things like black friday here mm. i think that's how smart brands will be behaving but in that interim we're we're going to have a lot of kind of i think stop start for events and just knowing how to manage it and make people feel comfortable, I think, will be really unique to the sector you're in, to the type of event you're doing, the type of audience you're targeting. I don't think there will be a one-size-fits-all approach to how brands should be rolling out events, especially when we move through that ambiguous what-are-the-regulations um, kind of space. Yeah, it's it's interesting um, that you mentioned about you know, Black Friday because it's – it's a really interesting topic from an event and an experiential and a brand perspective, especially when you look at all the technology and platforms that we've become familiar with in the last you know, year when it comes to video conferencing, live streaming. You know, you and I were talking a little bit off air today before we, we recorded this about the StreamYard platform that we now use for, for, for this podcast and, and what it can do. And then the more sophisticated platforms that are available now. And I mean, it, it in reality now a brand could easily create their own shopping channel on youtube on black friday they could just broadcast yeah. all day with offers with a professional presenter with a proper studio and they could put links up as 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 you know the broadcast is happening put stuff into the live chat you know that there's there's so much stuff that people could get creative with on that uh, in that particular instance 
definitely. And I'm, I mean, I'm going to get, I'm going to, I'm not even going to try and do the details because I'm going to get them all completely wrong. But I know um, for Singles Day last year, there was um, one of the big influencers in Asia hosted a live stream. And the amount of revenue that was driven in a one hour live stream by this influencer was like, it made my jaw drop. It was, <laughs> I'm not going to try and guess number because I'll get it completely wrong. But it was in the millions. It wasn't in the like tens of thousands. It was massive in one hour from an influencer by live streaming. And we've seen, um, particularly in luxury, you've seen that shift. You have a lot of the luxury brands now think it's Gucci. You've got a really amazing service where you can have a personal shopping experience at any time, anywhere in the world from a Gucci store now. And I'm sure lots of the others do as well. You even saw it. I mean, I'm a bit of a fan of going to Bista village and you could just whatsapp everyone and jump on a call to them and when the stores were closed and get pictures sent through straight away and that live shopping experience when you're not there has started whether people have kind of clocked that or not Mm. and I think this year will still be maybe maybe a bit of newness to it but I think two three years time it will be the norm it will be expected you think back to those kind of crazy images we were used to seeing of black friday of people kind of pounding down the doors yeah. no one no one's going to want to do that anymore but we're all so used to actually getting a lot from moments like this where we're sat in our homes talking to someone exactly, yeah we could totally be using those and i think again i'm excited and and trying to get a few clients to really jump into it this year but how can they use the talent who are creating lots of content for them that's influencing their audience into a live moment to create an experience that can drive sales like that to me is like the things that i'm really excited about where we start blending that kind of in real life moments or big calendar moments with the kind of tech and and just shifting consumer behavior that we've seen over the past year or so and it's the whole subject of of influencers i think is a that's a whole other podcast there that you you've probably got a lot of opinions on given you know the 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 role that you've got and what what mnc sachi talks do but when you when you look at it in in a basic numbers point of view when you used to be looking for opportunities for a client to either advertise or gain exposure you know you look at the key figures you know how many viewers does a television program broadcast at 7 p.m on a saturday night get and then the cost of advertising in those breaks you know is dictated by the audience figures if you actually look at live audience figures now for tv they're dwarfed by what one individual may have as a twitter following yeah or an instagram following now you know and and you know i know that influencers are, are are forming a bigger part of brand advertising budgets and and where they they target and put their their money but you know even somebody with 150 200,000 followers in the right setting for the right brand could be absolutely key um and and i i guess that's something that, that you you will have had experience of working with some of the clients that you work with Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, another string to my bow is (laughs) a lot of the influencer work that we do because they are the ones that are their content creators. They're producing Mm. a lot of this content. You can use them in events. Um, A lot of the events we do are, uh, especially the kind of direct to consumer events, rely heavily on influencers, be that promoting them, be that being the face of them or being part of a panel talk of them. Again, it's the more you can bring all this together, the stronger it actually is. And I mean, it's interesting what you're saying about the figures there, because 
again it totally depends on what the brand's trying to do but mm-hmm. you don't need to be working with influencers with the millions of followers to be sure. creating either great content or reaching the right audiences a lot of the time we're working and recommending influencers have got 5,000 followers 10 20 actually they've got such heavily engaged audiences they can be driving huge traffic through to whatever that moment is whether it is promoting an event or uh directly to a website i think Mm. yeah influencers are great and i think that's where actually if you think about what they that kind of industry has grown on influencing purchasing decisions bringing them into experiences that are driving shopping is just a really smart way to make your budgets work harder again absolutely um if you don't mind, I wouldn't mind just just going back ever so slightly to something that you touched on when you were talking about um, working at Goodwood Festival of Speed last week and um, and that approach going forward into how you, I suppose, pitch the level of safety that you implement into a live event post-restriction, if that makes sense. Um, because from a brand point of view, how that brand is perceived ultimately i suppose is the is the, is the, the key objective you know mm-hmm. these the brands that you will work with are no doubt global huge you know consumer brands um and and i guess even if there are no restrictions applicable they have to really strike that fine balance of of making sure that they're making their own clients feel safe at their event irrespective of what the restrictions may be uh, you're nodding so I'm hoping that I make sense to you in that respect because we're having it at the moment with with events that we're working on you know they're, they're coming up in a few months time technically at the moment they won't be subject to social distancing restrictions but we're still going to do that because we feel that it will make our audience feel safer and more inclined to come is that is that something that you're very much working with with your own clients and what they're wanting to do Definitely. And I think it's such a case by case basis, dependent on what type of event you're doing. Um, I think with Goodwood, we were in quite a fortunate situation that it was a government test event, Mm -hmm. which is why it could go ahead to kind of pre the restrictions lifting at such a big scale. So it meant those COVID restrictions weren't the brand enforcing them. They were the event organisers. So that was daily testing before you came on site. You had to kind of prove that, bring ID. Um, the majority of the event is outdoors anyway, so no mask wearing, but then mask wearing when you went into any inside spaces until you were sat and eating. I think when it comes to brands owned events, it, it's going to be a tricky one to navigate. And it comes back to who you're targeting, the format of the event. Sure. Um, and and kind of what setting it's taking place in. So we are looking at at an event at the moment, which may be kind of more of a drop-in, drop-out setting. Again, for that, um, I mean, this is, we're not at the stage where we've made final decisions yet, but we will probably limit the number of people who are invited in the day so that we know we're not oversubscribing. We'll probably try and book people in. So whereas we would have had a totally fluid drop-in, drop-out We'll probably try and book people into time windows so that we can kind of police the amount of people coming in and then we will probably still have masks available not maybe enforce it but probably from a staffing perspective whenever you're inside enforce it so i think it's as much about making sure that the attendees feel comfortable but also not putting any any staff at risk as well during it sure yeah um and i, I guess think- uh, uh, there's a whole 
old term that's just pinged into my social and corporate responsibility, you know, and, you know, uh, uh, you are a business with your own staff and you are in turn representing significant brands who also want to be perceived to be doing the right thing in events that you're running on their behalf. It goes back to our original question. So there's that social corporate responsibility when it comes to your own staff, isn't there? Definitely. And like, yeah, it's how, how you how we'll be treating that and tackling that and then how we'll be tackling guests will probably be a little bit different it might be a bit more overcautious with that not overcautious wrong wrong word to use a bit more strict with our own staff yeah. and probably implementing daily testing and mask wearing and social distancing where possible and then with guests maybe it will be a bit more aligned with the kind of the new government rules not that i think anyone really knows exactly what they are yet either yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah, yeah. And I think, I mean, like a lot of that's still changing, isn't it? It's only just uh, two days ago, I think, that they've just announced that in London you will have to wear masks on all transport. Yes. I think, and, uh, yeah. yeah. I think a lot of it will be, again, the favourite word of the year, pivoting and really understanding what consumer behaviour looks like as we come out of the pandemic, because sure. it's, it's a fine line to 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 balance isn't it you don't want to say be enforcing if i go to the most visually obvious one enforcing mask wearing if the government are saying you don't have to you don't want to make guests feel uncomfortable when they come down but equally you want to run a safe site so i think it will be i wish i had the answer but i think it will be kind of seeing what the next yeah. few weeks are like exactly there is there is no definitive answer at the moment mm. is there because you are absolutely right you know we're stepping into the unknown where even though on paper or on a website or where the restrictions are, you know, are listed, they will lift. Yeah. And by definition, we don't legally have to adopt those restrictions yeah. anymore that we've all been subjected to. But as I said, it then becomes a, an ethical question, the, yeah. a moral question, a question of brand perception, which will be so important to you guys. Um, yeah. I, I, I want to, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the time and we're, I'm, I want to keep going if that's okay. Just yeah. I've got one last thing that I wanted to touch on today, Sophie, and that is all put aside everything we've said about you know that, that so not the responsibility, but mask wearing and things like that. Does it excite you when the right opportunity comes along? And I dare say you're probably working on stuff at the moment where you've got that opportunity that you can see on the horizon already, where it's going to be a real return to you know a, a, an event that you they used to look like and i look at some of the test events some of the festival test events you know drinks activation zones in festivals is an obvious mm -hmm. one where you have a dj there and it's all branded up and you've got people going in there and, and listen to music is there stuff on the horizon that actually excites you and you're looking at thinking that's going to really look like it used to look like uh yeah yes and no i think coming straight off of goodwood like i feel like I, that was our one that we were like oh can't believe we're actually going to be together like me and the team we're just so excited and also spend time with our clients like mm. all that good stuff that we've missed so I feel like very privileged that we've just had that really big exciting moment yes there are things that are coming up over the next kind of few months that we're getting excited about but there's still that I mean I get I joke and call myself the safety police quite <laughs> a lot because I think it would be it would be naive to just be fully excited about them. Things, as we've seen, change so quickly. And even an event itself, I think you always need to have the reality that it might not happen. It might not go ahead the way 
you want it to. You might not be able to be there yourself. Your guests might not be able to be there. So, uh, yeah, I wish I wish I could be more really excited for it. But I, there is definitely an element of caution. But I do think I, I'm excited to see what consumer behaviour is like, particularly from next week and onwards when we do kind of move into that freedom <laughs> freedom day and see how people actually do behave and respond because I think then that will give brands and event organizers a lot more confidence in what they can be doing going forward I think unfortunately yeah. for that for the right now we're back into something that feels just as ambiguous as we were um six months to a year ago <laughs> absolutely and, and rather than cautious I, I would say pragmatic you know yeah. if there's one thing that we are in the events industry it's it's pragmatic you know we, we are, we've always had the ability i think to to change direction quickly if needed you know there are levels of contingency built into event planning that's always been the case so in many respects you know i i i think a lot of people would agree that arguably we've been the industry best equipped to adapt yeah. and change and to cope with what's been thrown at us in the last year because of the very nature of how we've always run events safely with planning with elements yeah. of safety built into them you know by default yeah um and that pragmatic approach you're absolutely right to highlight that uh that's one that we're all going to continue to take regardless of what you know the, the, the law sort of states or what the guidance may be post the 19th of july definitely and yeah pragmatic's a much a much better term than my <laughs> boring cautious approach but well, no, cautious is right but you know <laughs> pragmatic and um adaptable yes there we go <laughs> adaptable we've been talking on the podcast today to sophie bannister sophie is the head of creative development at m and c sachi talks and uh, there's so much that we could cover and and, and perhaps in future Sophie we, we could cover you know on a, on a future episode because I'm sure there's loads of stuff that you guys are going to be working on in the, in the coming months with clients you know particular case studies examples that you might like to talk about um, it's been great chatting to you on the podcast today and, and I think um, if you're okay with it we'd love to have you back on again in future and uh, if there's anything you want to share with our audience and, and talk about then um, please do feel free to, to come back on and um, let's have a chat again in future if that's okay. Definitely. And hope, fingers crossed, I might be in a more glamorous location on a beach. No, I want to see I want to see full production suite behind you, you know, oh, back no. to, you know, a, 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 an organiser's office somewhere with laptops set up and, uh, and coats. Back hung on my the hard hat and high <laughs> Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> um, if you want to find out a bit more about MNC Sachi Talks, the uh, website address is now on the screen for anybody who's watching the video on the website. MCSachitalk.com is their website if you want to find out a little bit more about the guys there what they're doing and of course if you are a brand that's listening to this and you want to find out how they can help you then i would urge you to get across to the website and have a little look at through it it's really well laid out um and uh, really clear to find uh, the bits and pieces that you might want to find sophie any any presumably social media people can find um find you guys on there as well yep same same handle so and um, and um, see talk Fantastic. That's great. And of course, if you want to get in touch with us, uh, Event News Blog is uh, is our Twitter. Uh, eventindustrynews.com is the website. And uh, I always wrap up by saying that, of course, if you're listening to today's podcast, you can hop over to the website and watch video versions of all of the Event Industry News podcasts. And whilst you're there, check up with some of the latest news features and supplements that are, are on the website. If you are watching this already, do find us on your chosen podcast platform on your mobile device. 
and you can listen to audio versions of all our podcasts going right back to the nearly 250 episodes that we've recorded over the last few years. Um, and it brings us to the end of today's episode. We've run a little bit longer than normal, but we've had a great conversation with Sophie today and we look forward to welcoming her back again on the podcast in future. For now, time to sign off. My name is James Dixon and we'll see you on the next episode of the Event Industry News Podcast. Thank you.